There's a room off the beaten path at Pittsburgh State University that holds clues to our past and our future. It's tucked into a corner on the second floor of Hartman Hall, where undergraduate and graduate students work alongside alumni and researchers to unlock information about our world by pressing, mounting, and identifying plants. This study, called botany, can be traced all the way back to ancient Greece. Fast forward to today, and there are more than 60 million specimens in 628 herbariums here in the United States alone that can tell us about our environment, biodiversity, climate change, and more. The herbarium at Pittsburgh State is one of them, and it just celebrated a milestone moment. I'm Andra Stefanoni, and you're listening to Gorilla Connection. Uh, my name is Dr. Neil Snow. I'm the curator of the Sperry Herbarium and a professor in the Department of Biology. And? I'm Michael Danes. I'm a graduate student here, uh, finishing up in the next couple semesters, and uh, I've been working in the herbarium here and there. So. I'm Elena Fulkerson. I'm a freshman here studying botany. And I'm Mike Robinson. I'm an alumni that uh, graduated from Pittsburgh. I uh, got my bachelor's in uh, environmental biology and my, uh, my master's in biology. And botany is where I spent most of my time uh, in the herbarium back way back when in the late 70s. All right. Well, I appreciate you all gathering with me because um, my interest has been piqued. We're here for a special occasion. And I think Elaine is going to tell us what that special occasion is, but I also want to find out a little bit more about this space and why it's important and what you all do here to share with folks, since it is relatively unknown. Um, so, Elena, what are we here for today? We mounted our 50,000th specimen today. 50,000 specimens. And these are plants from across the city, the state, the region, from where? Um, really, they're from everywhere, but most of them are more local, like Kansas. We have a lot from Idaho and Montana, because that's where a lot of our grad students collect. Okay. But a lot of them are just from the U.S. Is 50,000 specimens um, a, a lot in terms of an herbarium, or are we a, a small herbarium? Well, uh, 50,000 would be considered small by a lot of standards. The, the largest in the world... For example, in Paris and New York, and even up in St. Louis, the Missouri Botanical Gardens have approximately 7 million, but they, you know, they're much larger facilities. Um, 50,000 is a pretty respectable number for a university like Pittsburgh State, and I think what's most important is we're really active, and students really enjoy working in here and learning a lot. Well, and not to belittle the number, um, it's certainly still important that we collect these, right? Can you tell us, Neil, why an herbarium matters and what exactly it does? Paint a picture for the, the listeners about this place and, and its role. Sure, I'd be happy to as best I can. Um, stated briefly, uh, there's an awful lot of things that we don't know about plants in terms of where they occur. And I can give you an example. I had a previous graduate student her name was Samantha Young Pryor, and she collected about 40 state records for Kansas, meaning plants that had never been collected here before, and about through 250 county records. And it gives you an idea of how much we still really do not know about where particular plant species occur. And so that's one reason local herbaria are important. And so this is used for research, yes. um, not just for you and your students, but 
who else uses this? Well, anybody in the world who wants to look at the look at our information, our plant specimens, all of the specimens are databased and all of that information is online. And we do occasionally get requests from other institutions that want to borrow the physical specimens and it's we will send those to them and uh, they typically have them for a year, maybe two years, or whenever they're finished, they send them back. Um, and if there are any corrections that need to be made on identifications, they do that for us. We have about 75 herbarium cabinets. They, they each can hold about 1,500 specimens if they're full. Um, we have a new facility here, and it's re refurbished, I guess is the better way to put it. And plants are filed uh, according to the families. So plants of the pea family are all together and things of that sort. And we have a lot of really nice workspace to uh, work with the specimens, identify them, file them. And uh, we're very happy to be here. We had uh, really nice support from the National Science Foundation over a period of four years to move into this facility. And this was started um, how many years ago? Well, this is the 75th anniversary, or 76, close enough. <laughs> um, it was started by Dr. Sperry uh, when he was appointed, I believe, in 1946. And back then, there was maybe 100 specimens. So the collections have grown pretty substantially. And uh, now we're at 50,000, and we're still growing. We, we arrange the plants according to how they're related. So uh, all the members of a particular genus are follow, filed in a particular folder, and the, the different genera of the same family are placed together. And so it's actually not too hard to find the plant that you're looking for. And we have different colored folders for different geographical areas. So everything from Kansas, which is about, oh, about 80% of the collections are in plain colored folders that are labeled. And then other things from North America are in green folders. And there are a few other colors, but that's basically how it works. Okay. And Michael, you as a graduate student have found something rather unique, correct? Yeah. Um, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, today we, they just mounted um, what we call a, a state record that I had collected. So basically it was, um, it's this little uh, plant in the mustard family called a, a rock cress is a, the common name for it. Um, so I collected it up on, on a subalpine ridge um, in the Bear River Range, these mountains uh, down in southeastern Idaho. And it turned out that it um, probably had never been collected in Idaho before, as far as we can understand. Um, so it's known from northern Utah and I just got it kind of over the border. And so we call it a, a state record, right? It's the first place, first time it's been documented in Idaho. So, so I would typically go out with a, with a backpack and, and some, um, a really nice way we figured out how to do it actually is you, you get big plastic bags, so like Ziploc bags, and you can go, you go collect them um, and you, you just slip them in the Ziploc bag and then once you get uh, back to, you know, a more controlled space, you can press them in newspaper and between cardboard and, and dry them. And that's probably what most people are familiar with when it comes to this, I would think, because even as school children, we were probably, you know, picking dandelions or something from the yard and mm -hmm. putting them between pages of a book or, or doing an art project with them. But this, you also are trying to discover what exactly they are. And mm -hmm. so what do you use for that? A database, a field guide, or... 
a combination of a lot of things. Um, there are some field guides that are really useful depending on your area you're working in, and there are also online databases that, that do help at times. Where are you from originally? Um, I'm actually from Idaho. You are from Idaho, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, and so why did you want to come here to Pitt State to do this? Well, you know, I, I actually stumbled on uh, one of Dr. Snow's uh, old graduate students' um, papers, and, and she had done a similar floristic survey here in, in Kansas, and I was, I was interested in that type of that type of research, uh, potentially for my master's degree. So I contacted him, and I had a couple of other connections that I that I brought up. That and uh, you know he he was willing to take me on, and uh, so it all just worked out really well. That's great. And when do you graduate? Um, if all goes well, at the end of the summer. Excellent. <laughs> yep. Great. And we also have an alum with us, um, Mike. You're a biology graduate. Right. Uh, what year did you get your degree? Well, I got my. Uh my environmental biology uh, degree in 1978, and then um, I started on my master's degree in biology, and then um, I got a job <laughs> up near Kansas City, and uh, but I wanted to finish, so I finished my master's degree remotely. In, in biology. That was way back in the day before we knew what real remote learning was. <laughs> yeah, <right>? that's that's <laughs> right. There was no computers back then, uh, you know, so it, I did a lot of traveling back and forth here. Yeah. But uh, but you've gone on to quite, you had quite an illustrious career and were recently given a, a prestigious award through our Alumni Association. Um, yeah, you, you've you. risen yeah. up to the top of your field in environmental science. In yes, environmental and safety. And safety, uh -huh. Uh -huh. yeah. And I picked up the safety part of it uh, mm -hmm. just as time went on. But uh, you know, I learned the basics of environmental here at Pittsburgh State University, and I also learned how to study and I learned how to keep learning. And I think that was one of the most important things that I learned. I think you know that you you get a lot of good attention here. Uh, which is one thing I really like, and and uh, you can you can do just about anything you want with a degree from here, but it, it did allow me to advance rapidly in my career, and I moved, uh, relocated a few times, and uh, uh, I always had collecting plants as a hobby. I have a collection at home. Oh, you do? Yeah. That, and do that, you have kind of herbarium sort of cabinets? Like I, I have one cabinet because I don't have that many plants. I have about 80 some that I've collected over the years. And uh, I, I always loved that part of my education here. And... Um, and so now that I've retired and I have some more time, it's one of the reasons I love to come back here to the herbarium because I like the classification of plants and I like the mounting of them. You know, a, a, a mounted specimen like this properly dried, you know, 200 years from now will look, should look the, the same. Wow. Um, and I, paints a picture for future future yes. humans as to what our world was like at the time, right? Yeah. yeah. And the other reason I keep coming back is because, uh, you know, the world's kind of crazy these days. I think everybody would say <laughs> yes. But, but this is an area that is orderly for me. I mean, it, it, as Dr. Snow said earlier, you know, there's families, there's genus, there's species, and, and there's guides that Michael uses to identify plants. And so... There's a, there's a very much order to things here that I can come and spend the day uh, in order. 
<laughs> and let's talk about that. So you you sh- have showed up here several times in the last few years to, as a volunteer, right? Right. right. Um, so you drive down from Kansas City. From Kansas City. And uh-huh. spend your time. Uh, what, do you, what are some of the tasks that you do when you're here? Well, mostly I mount specimens that have been pressed in the newspaper and uh, they have been identified and labels printed out, and uh, much that you, what you saw Atlanta do with the fifty thousandth specimen today, I do that. I'll, I'll come down here and spend all day doing that, and then I get to you know talk with Dr. Snow for a while and catch up and see Michael. And, and that's an interesting way for an alum to give back. Well, I, I enjoy doing it, and I'm I feel like I'm helping in some way. And we're, if I may add, we're very grateful for Mike coming down. Uh, nice. It's fun to have him here, and he's a good excuse to go get a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> but also, um, Mike has been very generous and uh, provided a scholarship for the Department of Biology, which we're all very, very grateful for, and um, hope other alumni might consider doing the same. So thank you for that, Mike. Excellent. Oh, That's a good plug for that. And so speaking of um, students and the need for scholarships, we also have Elena here with us today, a freshman in biology with a botany emphasis. Um, Elena, where are you from? I'm from around Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. And if you, if, if there are folks here listening to this who are interested in botany as a career or a field of study, um, what, I guess, what would the ideal person be? What kind of characteristics work well with someone um, interested in this field? I think someone that's curious and likes learning because there's so much to learn, like you'll never learn it all. So I feel like someone that doesn't get discouraged by that would be good and someone with energy for it. Because, again, it is, especially in the herbarium, it's something that you come in and every week the pile grows larger. And so you need to not get discouraged and have perseverance, but also be excited about it and have a good attitude and everything. There's a, there's a lot of geography involved with botany and history, too, and people who like to read. There's there's tremendous amounts of literature out there on the history of of botany, and some of some very important figures that everybody or many people have heard of have been involved with botany. And, uh, you know, we know Jefferson was very interested in botany, but so, too, was Washington and Madison, and the great explorer John Fremont went out west, and believe it or not, he was collecting plants, too, and some of his plants are... Historically, very important. There's the historical connections are very rich. So uh, there's a lot, lot we can learn about the world just through studying plants. Well, I hope you guys will carry on, keep on, and um, keep adding to our wealth of knowledge in that way. Um, if someone wants to visit the herbarium online because they can't come here, how do they find that? I think if you just type in the word Sperry Herbarium, S-P-E-R-R-Y, there's a nice website there. There's a fairly recent little video, and uh, anybody can contact me anytime they want. Um, So always happy to answer questions. And they can use the digital collections from afar? Right. That's... You can find those on what's called the Consortium of Northern Great Plains Herbaria. Um, that's where the the specimen data are located. And I could help anybody find that if they can't find it. Well, thank you all for taking the time to share your experiences. This has been a real treat, um, something that I guess not everybody gets to see every day. So thanks for taking me behind the scenes. Well, thank you, Andrew, for coming. Yes. Thanks for thank being you. And here. good luck to you. Thank you. Okay. The school year is rapidly coming to a close. 
Commencement is planned for May 12th and 13th in the Plaster Center. More than 1,100 students are set to graduate. You can find details at pittstate.edu slash guerrilla connection. Pitt State President Dan Shipp will then kick off a statewide bike tour on May 15th. We're hoping to catch up to him before he heads across Kansas to raise scholarship money and awareness for Pitt State. Meanwhile, you can learn more about his trip at pittstate.edu slash danbikesks. Thanks for listening.